Hello, and welcome to Modest Conversations. Uh, I'm here with Russo Kazi, who we were oh, we overlapped at Facebook. We didn't work together that that closely yeah. um, back in the day. You had the distinction of having become a PM at Facebook at the age of 19. That's right. Um, and now you've left. You're starting something new that's very stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> we're figuring things out. It's good. Very exciting. Uh, but yeah, welcome to Modest Conversations. Sam, thank you so much for having me, man. It's great to see you again. So what's on your mind? You know, so I left Facebook early March and I was thinking a lot about, you know, what are some of the lessons that like I've learned about going through product management starting at 19, like doing this for, like six How years. did you start at 19? It was the craziest thing. So like I <laughs> got extremely lucky. Number one, I, um, so I was doing undergrad at Berkeley. Yeah. So I started there. I initially started as like a business major and then I read a few books and I was like every business person I respect had like a technical background. So within two weeks of Berkeley, I switched my major from like business to math and computer science. My GPA kind of like tanked because of it, I but it was that. like, <laughs> yes. And it was awesome. So, but, uh, let's see, like one year, two years in, uh, all my friends are getting like internships, like Dropbox, Facebook, Google, et cetera. And they're all like software engineering internships. Now for me, I never coded a line before I like ever entered, uh, Berkeley. And if you go to UC Berkeley for computer science, those, it's like very intense. Right? Yeah, that's so a then, serious program. It is very, very serious. So I was like, I love this stuff, but I'm not really sure if I want to like be coding all day. I was like, do I start something with some friends? Do I explore this whole startup thing? So I was looking around and I came across the Facebook careers page and it was like this, someone told me about it. They're like, oh, there was a description of a job that I think you'd like. So I read this thing and it says product manager internship. And I'm like, what is this thing? And it's literally, I think I thought having that was really hard. Yeah. And it was, and it was like literally the most like vague description you can imagine. It was like, come to Facebook, learn what it's like to be a CEO. Located Aww, in Palo Alto. Is that really what it said? I know. I know. And I have strong opinions about that now, but, uh, I read it and I was like, this is so vague, which means they probably don't know what success looks like, which means they probably don't know what failure would look like. So I could probably get in and like check this whole thing out. So it was like, <laughs> so basically like, you took advantage of an incredibly poorly defined internship. 100%. Right. And I was like, I might be able to scope it myself. So, uh, I, I entered, uh, Facebook best three months of my life. Like it was the, like, it was like the world's coolest playground, right? It was just like, Hey, you just come in. Everyone, this was when Google Plus launched. So everyone was like in lockdown. We never saw our managers a ton because they were all like running around. So I was just like, well, I'll probably get fired if I don't do anything. So I might as well just like introduce myself to a bunch of people and like do some cool stuff. So we're able to launch a bunch of cool things. It was really always. What were you working on originally? So I was on the pages team. Got uh, it. And then it was like the most. I, was it the era of like Nick Johnson on the pages? This team? was the era of Gokul. Goku was like my hiring yeah, manager. Sure. Uh, okay. Awesome, awesome. And then I, so I'm on the team and, uh, like, it was like crazy. I would like just talk to the engineer and I was like, Hey, well, like, what are your goals? And he was like, Well, I'm trying to like increase volume to like pages. I'm like, or traffic to pages. I'm like, cool. So then I'm like, Oh, well, we're getting a ton of volume from like SEO. We had like a resident SEO specialist at the company at that time. So I was like, Hey, what can we do here? And he was like, Oh, well, your guys's crawler seems a little broken. So we like, created this like new way for like the Google crawler to crawl the like, like Facebook and like get one. And we launched him two days later. It was like five X volume to like pages on Facebook. And I was like, what is going on? Like how, why are you guys trusting me with any of this stuff? And it was like kind of like a dream come true. Cause the rest of the company was trying to make the Google crawler not work. So well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, so like, uh, it was, it was a great time. Um, three months goes by quickly. And then they actually, Got my uh, offer letter mixed up because I was going to be a junior, not a senior after that. And then they were like, here's a full-time offer. In my That's head, hilarious. My In my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be a returning internship offer. This is going to be so good. So I get this uh, offer and I look at it. I'm like, 
you guys pay returning interns way more than first year interns. And I'm like freaking out because I don't realize it's a full-time offer. <laughs> and then the, uh, just talking about like, yo, you get four months of paternity leave. I'm like, the internship's only three months. How does that work? Like, how does like, how do, like, what do I do here? And then she was like, this is a full-time offer. And I was like, oh, so I'm not graduating for two years. Is this good for two years? And she was like, oh, I forgot. You were like, like whatever. You have two more years of school. So then she was like, I can get you an internship offer. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. So I kept That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, I decided to leave school early. I graduated, dropped a major, like stayed there. And then Facebook was actually really cool about it. Cause I didn't, I technically didn't have enough credits to graduate. I was like pulling all these like back channel conversations with my counselor to be like, Hey, numerical analysis is basically a CS class. Please let me count it towards CS credit. <laughs> but I still didn't have enough units. So Facebook let me work part time as like a product consultant, whatever you want to call it. Built decks, went in, helped them with like certain projects, went in like twice a week for like the entire school year. That's got awesome. Six units of credit. And because of that, I was able to graduate. That reminds me of a really close friend of mine, Aaron Sitzig, um, <laughs> who, do you know Aaron? Yeah, he was like the first designer at Facebook. The first right? designer, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful guy. And he, I think to this day, has still not graduated from Berkeley because he's, he's one <laughs> oh, did he go to Cal? Yeah. <laughs> he's one credit short. And they should really like, just have a pipeline for this at this point. I can't. No, I think he's kind of proud of <clears throat> yeah, being one credit short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a good compromise with my parents and I. It was it was it was pretty solid. So then, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at uh, at Facebook. And I was thinking about it, and like I remember, like PMs are really weird role, right? And okay. it's like, and it's like, yeah, and like you, I don't think you majored in CS either, right? No. You did. No, I didn't. What'd you study? I studied the opposite of CS. I, st- I did an interdisciplinary major, hilariously called social studies, <laughs> which I expected to be useless but really interesting as a mixture of history and philosophy and act. Turns out has probably been the most po- useful possible major in my life, just because you need know, your namesake. Yeah, yes. Like when you when you all of a sudden are dealing with these new, especially social platforms, yep. there are like all these. Cr- I mean, you kind of are going back to first principles a lot of this stuff, 100%. and being able to be like, ah, people have thought about this yep. problem before, yep. and here's kind of what has been. You, know, you skip a few steps of having to rethink things. I love it, and like I think one thing for me is like I remember the day before Facebook, before I started, I was incredibly scared. I was like, what is this role? Will I? This is before your interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this definitely carried on to like the full time job as well. (laughs) Uh, But I was like, you know, what does this role? What does success look like? What does failure look like? Everything's like so ill defined. Were you really that sophisticated as an incoming first to be like the actually like those are the key questions, which is what is success and what is failure? Well, I just didn't like. For me, I was like, how do I get a returning internship? That was like my entire thing, right? Because I was like, Facebook was the only like internship I applied for, right? I I didn't think I was like going to be. Like, and I'm pretty sure I rounded up my GPA when I applied on my resume and I was just like, oh, this is basically this one. Uh, and Facebook's awesome. So like, uh, <laughs> like, so like at that point, it's the I, first lesson you've given on this other than being lucky that I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, it's just like do number rounding errors. I'm not that good at math. <laughs> so you, drop them in. You, you rounded three, two up to four. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's <laughs> very, very different. Um, so, um, but I remember just being like, it's like really, you, start, you listed your GPA as 10. Yeah. <laughs> um but um no i just remember being really nervous and i was just like uh, i love facebook i was such like a big user of the product and i was like man this just feels like such like a dream job no but at that point like for me usually the way it works is that um i'm like such a big fan of like being like apprentice or like finding people who are like amazing at one thing and just asking them for help or advice Mm -hmm. or mentorship or whatever and i remember like kind of like looking through my whatever network I had talking to like my friends talking like looking on like LinkedIn and every PM I found felt like a very similar mold, whatever, seven years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like top technical school, CS, they got an MBA at like Stanford, MIT. And then they like um, worked at like Accenture or something like that for like a technical consultant for two years. Like I had found like 30 people that like just did this. And I was like, I can't relate to any of these people. I don't know how, like, how to like make that happen. So I remember like just feeling this need of like 
it kind of sucked not having a ton of people that I was able to go to to be like, hey, I'm about to enter this. What do I watch out for? Yeah. Fast forward now. And there's a ton of new people coming into PM. Yeah. Right. It's like different ages, different backgrounds, demographics, et cetera. It's great. Um, so my little, like my little brother's now 19 and he's at, uh, UC Berkeley and, uh, he was asking me, he's like, Hey, I don't think Facebook's career page anymore says mini CEO. No, 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 please, please. No, (laughs) it's, and it's like, it's not the right way to frame the, like the role at all. Uh, and he was just asking me about PM and like, you know, these pros and cons, et cetera. And I just realized that like, I want to take some time to actually like think through some of these like lessons learned. And like, I learned a lot from like hearing anecdotes from certain people yeah, and like their crazy stories and counterintuitive points. And I was like, Sam also has like a weird like background that leads to like uh PM as well. So we should just take some time to share yeah, some man, stories. Let's do it. So dive in. Like what are, like, where, well, where do you, what are your anecdotes? Yeah. You well, well, my question for you first is like, I told my origin story into PM. How did you end up as a PM? That's a good question. So I, um, was I would not consider myself like by any stretch of the imagination truly technical. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I, my dad and I were like, you know, taught me. My dad actually was quite technical, and, yeah. and you know, we were we were coding QBasic games when I was in you know That's grade awesome. school. That's and, awesome. You know, I did some stuff. You know, I, I wasn't zero percent technical. Yeah. I built some stuff in my life, That's but awesome. I wouldn't. I would never, never was in on an engineering path. Yeah. Um, I left school did something kind of more traditional, which is I ended up at Bain and company cool. um, for two years, which, you know, at point I really, I felt like my story is always, I needed one more checkbox. Yeah. Like I needed one more badge. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. one of these kids who was like confident yeah. enough to not take another checkbox. Yeah. Took one more checkbox that lasted exactly two years to the hour. <laughs> um, and I said, what's the opposite of this? Um, I said, I don't need any more checkboxes. So I started a, you know, file sharing company in Brooklyn. Great knowing basically nothing about what I was doing with one friend who was slightly more technical than me, but not hyper-technical either. Um, And so he and I kind of, you know, built that, raised money, got to, you know, a few million users. We had a decent business going. I wasn't like a zero. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, at a certain part, um, through a few other black backflips, Mark was like, look, you really should just come to Facebook. I want you to like work on profiles. That's awesome. Um, you know, and uh, we ended up selling the company to Facebook and doing that. I mean, I was a PM because I, I clearly wasn't an engineer and I clearly wasn't a designer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of this catch-all that kind of like... Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I always, I mean, you know, having hired a lot of PMs and yeah. working on that at Facebook for a long time, like, you know, running the process around yeah. that. Like, I always used to say that, like, look, in the end of the day, at Facebook at least, it's very clear what engineers do. Yep. It's very clear what designers do. The PM's job is to like do everything else so they can do their job better. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so like to see around corners, figure out what needs to be done. There yep. is no actual role. It's a generalist role. Yep. Um, you're, you know, some people talk about it as like the janitor role, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, which I think is a little bit too self-effacing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like if you could right now give day one PM Sam advice from everything that you've learned at your time at FB, um, what do you think you would tell him? Well, the interesting thing, I think I'll actually call out what you said, which I think is very astute, which is I think you have to be really crisp at the, in this era yeah. on like, what is your actual goal you're driving towards? Yeah. Um, and then what tools do you have at your disposal? Yeah. I remember when I joined Facebook, it was like shockingly under metric, yeah. right? Like I, even coming from Bain expected like a pretty tight framework around yeah. this stuff. And the reality was there were a few things that really mattered to the company that were super well instrumented, yeah. but profiles was not one of those things. And it was one of those things where like, there's this kind of like, thing between leading on what you believe is right yeah um and then what you can prove is right and the iterative versus the non-iterative very complicated set of trade-offs the whole nine yards but in the end of the day i think at big companies you if you can't reduce it to a number you probably shouldn't be working on it right um and it's not because 
everything and be perfectly captured in numbers, but yeah. it is because in a big company with a big structure, yeah. which is where most PM jobs are. 100%. That's where it's growing I mean, as well. Frankly, any company that has a PM too early is probably the wrong company, but 100%. like to where the PM jobs are, it's like, it just means that there isn't a clean API yeah. where like you actually know what you're responsible for yeah. and there, and then what tools you have at your disposal. And if you don't know what you're responsible for, you can't win. Um, I completely agree. But that, you know, that's not true at the earliest stage companies. And, you know, there was an evolution there for sure. Yeah. Um, and it was also interesting. I think that like, and like from the background of like no job experience, this is the first thing to do. Um, and for other people who are just entering the PM field right now, the general piece of advice I give is like, go to a team, don't get distracted by a bunch of shiny shit. Like go somewhere where you think that you can like provide actual value and like get a win. Mm-hmm. And people are like, okay, response yeah. a win, right? And I'm like, cool. A win is defined in three ways in my opinion. One is like you ship something people like, most important thing. Great. Two, it's uh you ship it on time or ahead of time, ideally maybe. Um and number three is the team really wants to work with you again after you're done. Yeah. Now most PMs can't do any of the three, right? <laughs> and they learn how to do maybe do one and then two. And then if you could do three, then you that would like that is what I'd consider a win. Yeah. So when I think about that, you know, the reason why that's important. Sure, now other people now think you're, like, good, fine. Sure, you have more confidence that you feel like you're, like, actually belong in this job. Great. But I would say the most important thing is you kind of build this internal barometer of, like, now you know what winning feels like. You kind of know, like, when you're on another team on another project, if things aren't really going that well, you're like, something's wrong. I need to ask a bunch of hard questions. Like, hey, Sam, like, why is this not happening? Or X, why is this not happening? Or, like, what's happening? And then you can articulate your feeling of why this doesn't feel as good as it used to feel. Yeah. And then you can kind of help the team course correct. Yeah. I think, like, again, I remember giving, and I agree with the advice totally, especially in the context of Facebooks and companies as ill, so, like, just come in and get a win, any win, right, to start. Um, I always think about more as, like, a moral authority thing, which is the reality is, is, like, in the end of the day, if you're in a PM role, you're not writing code. Mm-hmm. You're not designing things. Mm-hmm. You kind of do nothing, yeah. right? And so yeah. your entire ability to operate is yeah. based on people feeling like you make them better, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you have no proof of being able to do that, yeah. you're just, you, know, you, you might be asking the questions, but no one's going to give you the time of day to give you a response on them, yeah. right? And yeah. so I think that it's like a very momentum-driven role yeah. in companies. Um, so do you remember your like one of your earliest wins at Facebook? Um, my earliest wins... And the, the thing I remember, my earliest, like, getting something done yep. memory, which is actually a good learning, is from another Facebook PM who I learned a lot from, Peter Dang. Yeah, um, Peter is the best. So when I joined Facebook, Peter was working on profiles, yep. and there was about to be something rolled out, and da, yep. da, da, da. And I remember Peter, like, was trying to drive to a decision. Yep. And it was about, we were, there was something about to launch, and we thought we'd do something differently mm-hmm. in the future, and da, 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 da. I remember Peter opening a Chrome console with Mark. And just like sitting there, it was actually a great lesson and just being like, we need to make this decision. I'm going to literally just like in console, just move this stuff around and we're going to call on one of these two designs. That's right? amazing. Um, and I think like a lot of my early ones, I think were those types of things, which is cool. like driving towards decisions. And yeah. I, if anything, I think I was just ripping off Peter repeatedly. and like, ah, I can open Chrome console too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's super interesting. I remember the, the first team I was on, I was working on like, this is when everything was moving to mobile. I was reporting to Mick mm-hmm. and Mick for everyone listening is like, this amazing tactical PM who can like really push an execution. And I was like this kind of like dreamer type of person where I had all these ideas and he would bake this idea into me where it was like, if nothing ships, it doesn't matter. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, so he would constantly be like, I don't want to hear any of your new ideas until you show me that it's shipped and like, or something shipped. I'm like, <laughs> great, fine. So I remember I joined the, uh, the pages manager app. This is something that was being built. And back in the day it was built on this like really janky, like JavaScript framework called Bolt.js. Right yep. now we were using this thing and it had like a two and a half star rating. And I was like, everyone was like, hey, just like increase the quality, get us more users, get us more engagement, like a really good, like metric driven first PM project. And I was like, great. 
So I'm looking at it and I'm like, why is this all like two and a half stars? Right. And I, I didn't know what to do. Right. So I started talking to the team and I was like, you know, why are we using Paul.js? Like, oh, native code's taking a while. We'll get to it eventually, et cetera. So I looked through all of our app store reviews. Right. And the cool thing about page admins is that they're not looking for the most glorious experience. They're looking for something that works that helps them like, yeah, because they're hitting their metrics. Yeah, exactly. They just need tools for their business. Right. And, um, I was like, okay, interesting. So I read through them all and they were all, they all called out. So many of them called up the same thing. They were saying, hey, when I try to compose a, like a, a new post on Facebook on the Pages Manager app, it blocks me at 230 characters or something like that. While on the Facebook website, it's like I can post as much as I want on the Nate, like on the actual Facebook app, I post as much as I want. So I go to the engineer, I'm like, hey, why is this, why is this happening? And he was just like, well, like Bolt.js has this framework. Um, it's actually really, really hard for some reason to actually create like this scrolling text view. And he was just like, we're just waiting two more months to like the native code to come out and then it'll be all done. And I was like, oh, this is so shitty. <laughs> so then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, like there's most things that like, I think that they will take, they would rather take like a pretty surprising experience over a frustrating one. So one thing I said, I was like, okay, let's just type it out. And then once you hit the 230 character limit, all of a sudden this like white box came up, like this white, blank white page just came out and copy and pasted the text you wrote and put on this page. And then you just keep writing, right? And it's really jarring, but you just keep writing and then you hit close. And when you hit close, it goes back to the composer and you see 230 characters and a dot, dot, dot and a C more. And that's it. If you hit it, this white page comes up, you go, it goes away. And we shipped it in like a day. Within four days, we went from a two and a half star rating app to a four and a half star rated app. And it was just like <laughs> unbelievable. And I was just like, oh, and it's like such a simple thing. But yeah. at that point, Facebook's so good at like that positive feedback loop when you do something where everyone's like, simple solutions to complex problems, great job. You got it done. You like solved a problem for them. Obviously, we then like rebuilt it properly with native, et cetera, et cetera. But it was like, that was like the first time I felt like I actually got like got a win. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was great. Pretty numerical. No, no, it was, and it was, it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome for that type of stuff. That's awesome. That was great. That's awesome. Um, another question I had actually that my little brother asked me was like, what is the hardest lesson you think you, you had to learn? Oh, there's a lot of hard lessons. I'm trying to think of like one in particular that's like surprising or different than what you think. Um, I just think it's like a really interesting. So I think the most important lesson that I've learned in a lot of ways, and I think you kind of hinted at it before, is why I cringe so badly when you talked about the Facebook careers page. Is like I do think you end up with a lot of people who get into PM because they kind of want to be entrepreneurs, and like in their heads, which isn't necessarily wrong. It's the best way to get experience and a lot of this interdisciplinary stuff that maps to entrepreneurship without being entrepreneurship. And I actually think one of the hardest things to do is, and one of the most important things to do is work across teams with other PMs, right? Like the reality is, is like, you know, when you have a team, um, that's that's, a team that, you know, has a lot of faith in you that you're working with, that you're enabling, which is fundamentally what I think the role is, you know, I think good people who are focused on it with clear goals can do a lot. But the reality is, is like one of the big differences in being a PM versus being an entrepreneur is, or at least a founder, a founding entrepreneur is like, you really have to play nicely with others and the trading I think yeah. that happens between PMs yeah. um, is really, really interesting. And I yeah. think actually really hard to learn. Yeah. Um, and, and the interesting thing about it is like on one hand you think, Oh, well that happens like at a company when you're a more senior PM yeah. or like over time. So you have time to like build and figure out how to do it. But I actually, I'm curious what you think. My sense yeah. is, is that actually, you know, you come into a PM role almost on day one, you not only can't get stuff done without your team, but you actually can't get stuff done without other PMs, yep. right? And that those relationships are very different to build yep. um, and equally difficult. It's hard. I don't know. Did you have that experience? No, yeah. It was, it was, I would say the whole, like, I think the, and Facebook hashing just philosophy on, like, they don't say CEO anymore. Like, I think that is a pretty crippling thing for a lot of new PMs. I think that 
when they come in and they're like, I need to be the Steve Jobs figure. I need to like lead vision and like always know the answer and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and be the leader. I think that like really blocks them from having a real impact. So a lot of what I've like, I think a lot of what initially that's what I thought. Right. And that's kind of what you're like, oh, I don't have any tangible skills I'm providing to this team. I might as well provide leadership. And I'm like, what am I like leading right now? So a big thing that has changed over time for me was as I progressed in my career at Facebook, I realized that a lot of my job was to basically frame the current environment such that a bunch of people smarter than me um, has an easier time to help make the right decision. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that was like really viewing it as like people don't look at you to like make decisions because you're their boss they trust you it's like your job to gain context that is it you just you just spend more time gaining context yeah well everyone else should be spending time actually doing the tangible thing that is helping the product be built right right and the second you lose that trust it's gone yeah. right and it's just like it's like how do you it's so so important that people feel like pmx listens to me pmy like respects me like they actually are like facilitating this conversation and helping me understand the current uh the current scenario and i think another p uh, another uh like kind of a pitfall a lot of PMs fall into is trying to protect their team, right? They're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to tell you what you need to know such that yeah. like it doesn't thrash you. Well, a lot of times like we're all adults. We all are building these like crazy products together, right? And the lack of information actually hurts them overall. Right? To it's a actually, point, but that's yeah. a tough balance. I mean, I think like it's like, you know, this is I think one of those like hard lessons and yeah. lines to learn over time. Yeah. It's like, I just think it's one of the most important jobs of a PM yeah. to like buffer teams um, so they can keep doing the right work and they're not getting yeah. thrashed on an hour to hour basis. So you like you in, you inherit the thrash. But the problem is it's a dangerous game to play. Yes. Because yes. if you get it wrong more than every once in a while. Yes. Right. Um, to your point, yes. you, you lose the trust across me like, ah, that actually was important. To yes. Transfer. And I actually think that's probably the, the best way to say it. That yeah. is, I completely agree. I think that one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was. So when you start off as a like a super junior PM, you have like a team of maybe like five of like engineers and design or whatever that you're working with. That's fine. Now, a lot of ways that like early PMs kind of like make things happen is they gain consensus by having a bunch of one-on-one conversations, right? Yeah. And that works for like, because you have an excess amount of time, you can like talk to each person, give them the full context. It's great. Um, but then you start moving to a team of 10 or 15. And then you start realizing that like, as the team size grows, uh, the time it takes up grows exponentially, yeah. right? So you don't, the only tactic you know how to do is by like having these like one-on-one conversations still. And you haven't like been forced to learn how to like have these like really like complex, hard conversations with all 15 people at once, right? To drive consensus or whatever. So for me, I remember hitting this wall where I kept on trying to have all these one-on-ones gain consensus and all this stuff. But after a while, you run out of time, so you become more efficient. And the efficient thing to do is just tell the person what you think they need to know, right? But then you realize that each person now has a different set of information, and then obviously everyone else talks. So they're like, oh, I didn't know that, and I didn't know that. And that is a really bad, really bad position to be in. Yeah. And I think that there's two things here. I think one is that like eventually you learn and it forces you to like find more transparent and efficient ways to have these consensus-building meetings. But I think that there is a really negative pitfall some PMs fall into, which is I don't provide a super tangible skill, but I get to control the flow of information. Yeah. And I think that is like, and they do it not necessarily to like protect thrash, but they do it because it's like kind of the thing that makes them feel secure. Like this is the unique thing I have. Yeah. Right. And I think that is also like a really like. A, well, they you into a defensive stance. Yes. Right. Like, exactly. Um, whereas I mean, the idea ideally in an ideal world, you get to, you know, a few hundred people yes, working on your yes. team, which is kind of where I ended up at Facebook, <laughs> is, like, you kind of are trying to give people principles yes. to work by, or your yes. PMs reporting to PMs. Like, you need to give them the framework yep. so that they understand 
how decisions are being made or like how they should be thinking about how what other people are doing. You're basically setting up a bunch of APIs yes. between people yep. um, and between ideas and, yep. and like figuring out how, how to relatively weight things and yep. what metrics to value yep. and things like that, um, which are all things that are empowering the teams. Yep. Um, was there anything non-intuitive to you that like, like, in like, Something that was like you learned that was completely out of left field for you. That you so I think that probably the biggest lesson, and I think it, in 2020 hindsight, I think you probably just the way you talk about it, figured this out potentially faster than mm-hmm. I did. But I used to really believe, especially when I was like the first company I was working on, I found like this idea of like having a number and guiding by numbers yeah. to be extremely initially like constraining and unfreeing. Yeah. Like I didn't like being like, this is the number to work yeah, on to yeah. a person, right? Yeah. Or like, this is the number I value. Yeah. Or I didn't like being told, like, yeah. this is the number to value and forget about everything else, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, this is the number one thing, plus one thing. And I kind of like graded at that. I was a, my, a big believer in like, you have to have a theme or what you're going after, yeah. but these are hard trades, yeah. right? And yeah. like, the thing I've come down to, and I've come around to pretty hardcore in my life is like, I don't like giving people goals that I haven't reduced to numbers anymore. Yeah. Um, because I kind of feel like, even though some things are very difficult to measure, it's not fair and it's actually too constrained to not do that because everything becomes a matter of judgment and taste. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I think my evolution has gone to a point where I'm like, in this, again, there are, there are people out there. You said Steve Jobs before. Yeah. He probably would vehemently disagree with this. Yeah. But like, I'm kind of in like a post taste mentality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Where it's like, and I think I'm probably keep evolving in my life sure. and my career and how I think about these things. But like, to Should me, it's away. like, look, especially when you're working with big teams, it's yep. like, okay, can I reduce this for you? Yep. Is that reduction, if you follow that reduction to a T, yep. will you do things that will create a lot of value for everyone yep. else in, yep. a, in, a, in a healthy way? Yep. And if I can't do that simply, yep. then I feel like I'm taking too much control myself. Yep. Um, but look, there are arguments on this. There are plenty of, of PMs who disagree with that, and I'm sure many, many designers. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think for like another thing that was like really interesting to me was that um, something that was kind of counterintuitive, well, not counterintuitive, just something that was like a pretty big lesson was that I remember when we had these like big heated, like, like hard decisions to make. Right. And I used to think like, Oh man, like being able to make the hard decision is going to take all this time and it's going to take hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and whatever. Then like over my, like over like the career, I kind of figured out that like hard decisions are hard, but they can be quite time efficient. Like they're not actually that hard to make, especially if you like decide like, Oh, there's a decision maker and this is what we have to do. I've kind of learned that like if I took like three different people and put them into like three different rooms and asked them to solve like a pretty, like come up with a solution for a pretty scope problem. They'd all come back with a solution that was like, eh, like 70, 80%, like a lot of similar things. And then be like 20% differences. Now, what I realized is that initially I thought that the differences of the 20% was the thing that was going to take a long, long, long time to align on. But I kind of realized was like the really long time came from having the three people realize that they're actually agreed upon on the 80%. Like so much of the stuff I've like, if I had to go back in time and redo would be like, take like the extra day to make sure that everyone is using the same like terminology yeah. and everyone's like actually agrees that like before anyone talks about preferences, like towards the end, my basic template was like, like over communicate. It's like, Hey, do we all agree this problem to solve? They'd all say yes. I'm like, great. Do we all agree that this is terminology? They'd all say yes. Great. That took easy. Here's the full spectrum of options. What One thing I realized was that people usually don't hate an idea. They're just scared that, um, there you didn't think through it exhaustively enough and that yeah. there's a better idea they're afraid yeah. of opportunity cost and i was like cool so i was like can we agree that this is a spectrum option craziest idea is the craziest idea and then we go through the pros and cons of each and everyone feels good about it and at the end that's when everyone puts up their preferences and even before then we're like can we agree that like 
if we don't get to a decision in a day, we will trust the designer to make this call because this is in the design room or whatever. And that literally made like some of the hardest com- like H1 planning, H2, like all this other stuff way easier to kind of get through. And it yeah. was just kind of crazy that just like that alignment focus, like made it 10x more efficient. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that. And I believe that great people do that. I mean, I think it really just comes down to like the stakes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and being really cognizant of that as like, as a PM or what you're doing is like, I think there's like 90% of decisions yeah. to your point. It's like, if they're close enough, you trust and you let go. The, the question is when the stakes get super high yeah. on very specific things. Yes. <laughs> that's, I think, when it gets really pressured. I right. Agree. And like the reality is not all decisions are of equal weight. Like yep. most things can be redone, yep. um, <laughs> but not everything. <laughs> um, what was your favorite part about product management? Like, what do you think is the best part about the role? I don't want all these lessons learned I mean, to be like look, a... I think at the end of the day, being a PM is, you just get exposed to a lot of different stuff, Definitely. right? I think that's super fun. Yep. Um, I do think that, like, it's not, I mean, I don't think it's, like, a panacea. Like, I've actually, like, I, again, I think there's, it's right for a lot of people at, at a lot of times. And yeah. again, the other thing, you and I have been talking about PM as though it's actually a role. The, the irony is it's not actually a role. Yeah. I mean, the reality, Facebook and Google have, in my understanding, reasonably similar PM programs. Yep. Reasonably similar. Yep. Um, Apple's version of PM is totally different, but right? It's Microsoft like, is also really Microsoft. Different. So the, the companies kind of invent these roles yep. to suit their needs, yep. which are the, oh, this is the thing that we need mm. at scale mm. to make the company work yeah. that is technical-ish, yeah. but like it's not the part of the business team, yep. but they're not coding and they're not <laughs> designing, right? And so I think you kind of have to splice out. And I think different different yeah. variants that are right for different people at different yeah. points in their careers yeah. in terms of learning experiences um, look, I think it'd be pretty leveraged. I think you can, you know, get pretty amped. I think it's like, if you enjoy motivating people and being yeah. around people and a lot of talking, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like a pretty, pretty good thing at points. Um, yeah. but I also think it's like pretty tough at yeah. times. And I think again, people really confuse frequently this PM role with an entrepreneur role, which you're now doing a company for the first time. <laughs> I bet you're figuring out is like not the same thing. It definitely isn't. But, uh, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of things. Like, and I, I think to your point, it's like, Exposure is really cool. I think that the the understanding, like, it's kind of, if you do like daydreaming, PM is a really cool role because, like, you basically understand the different, like, things that are available. Yeah. And even though you're not contributing directly, you could be like, man, like, this org is doing this or this team is doing that or we can partner with this other company over here and then combine those and the cross product of that is, like, this crazy thing. And you're like, it's kind of into- like intoxicating. Yeah. It's, like, really fun in that world, right? It's fun. But I think it's, like, kind of like a, a sign of a little wave. Like, yeah. you can get really excited about <laughs> yes. stuff and then you're like, oh, yeah, I got to shut this thing. Yeah. And, and I also think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a role of, for all these companies, I think it's a role of, like, like that 10% of, like, the peak of the amplitude, right, um, is a lot of fun. But uh, a majority of the role is, like, grunt work. And it is, like, making sure you're doing what it takes to, like, make sure the team's moving forward. And I think that, at least in my trend, I've seen that people who are really good at being inspired by, like, the end objective or outcome usually have the kind of pain tolerance to push through a lot of that stuff. Because, like, when you're doing a lot of that grunt work and it's, like, pretty tiring and you're pushing through it and you're like, oh, like, this isn't, like, super intellectually stimulating or this or that or whatever. Um, but you, like, kind of see that end spot and you're like, that's going to be so cool when yeah. that exists. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, there are people who are process motivated. There are people yeah. who are ends motivated. Yeah. I actually think I've seen both be pretty successful in PM roles. Yeah. Um, they usually take slightly different approaches. Yeah. Um, to it. But I think it's... um. Yeah, you need a mix of all those things. Yeah. Like it is fundamentally pretty interesting, and you learn a ton. Yeah, right. Yeah, you kind of end up thinking you could have to do the jobs of a lot of people. <laughs> 
And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. I'm actually really excited that the role itself is like evolving and growing. Um, and people are moving away more from this like CEO description of the role. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it'd be interesting cool to, to see what happens to the next like, iconic company and how yeah. their version of this evolves. Like, I actually yeah. don't know. Do you know what like Uber's version of this is? They do. Like, they actually have their, like, I think a lot of these companies are not starting their own like junior PM program. I don't think they call them RPMs or APMs, maybe UPMs. I don't know. Um, yeah. but, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know a ton about it. Yeah. No. It's, I mean, these things all, inter- they evolve because yeah. a lot of the cast of characters evolves yeah. from one company to another yeah. and they inform and they kind of get the next generation of this, yeah. you know, in some ways more right with a different opportunity set or match it to it. And one um, of the things that inspired this conversation was I was like, there's that iconic piece from Ben Horowitz, which is like good PM, bad PM, that mm-hmm. whole thing. And I was like, and on the top of his essay, now I looked it up today, it said, this was written tilde 15 years ago and it probably doesn't apply to most PMs today. And I was like, that's probably true. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like, a lot of it's super good and every PM should read it, right? But then I was just trying to figure out, I was like, what would that look like today? Which kind of inspired this. I love great. it. Well, this is a good modest conversation. You should write it. <laughs> I think it'll be, you know, flame emoji PM and poop emoji PM. I mean, like that. emoji PMing is the future. <laughs> I tried that. I, I would argue that I may be, I take some credit for introducing <laughs> yeah. that to Facebook. Awesome, dude. This was such a great conversation. It's great. Thanks for having you. me, man. Tears.